2: Alright, welcome to Bet the Edge, Monday, after the first weekend of football. Thanks to everyone watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. I'm Jay Croucher, this is Drew Dinsick. Uh, Lots to break down, we're going to talk about last night's game, all the chaos that comes out of that, particularly on the Dallas side. We're going to look ahead to where we see the early value uh, in week two, and then we're also going to preview Monday Night Football. Drew, just overall, how are you feeling after the first Sunday?
3: Uh, Very good. That was a great, great day. (laughs) It was a a day for the dogs. Uh, My biggest positions were on a couple of unders that ended up being no sweats. Um, Green Bay under, Baltimore under, and then the, the coup de grace. The Tampa Bay Dallas under uh, twenty two points, low scoring total of the entire day, uh, and it didn't even really feel lucky, which is the best part about it. So, uh, very very solid solid performance from on you know, my accounts here for week one, and uh, cannot sleep on my uh, success. We go right back to it here because week two looks like uh, it's going to be tough to make some uh, some plus EV bets, but I'm excited to to take on the challenge. Indeed,
2: all right, let's get stuck into the Cowboys. I think they're definitely the biggest story out of week one, and, uh, I mean, it certainly seems like their season is over. They've drifted significantly for the NFC East, for the conference, the plus 500 and plus 2200, respectively, with Dak Prescott. Looks like he's going to miss six to eight weeks with that broken hand. Also, not to be overlooked, Connor McGovern, high ankle sprain. Javon Curse, also injured. Tyron Smith was already out. They already didn't have any receivers beyond C.D. Lamb. Are the Cowboys just a total write-off? And if so, how are you attacking them in the betting market?
3: It's a really important question because there's a lot of high-profile Cowboys games left this season. (laughs) I don't know if you know this, but they like to put the Cowboys in primetime a lot. Um, But uh, that was a brutal blow to their chances of doing anything this season, I would say. Even though I don't really think that the downgrade from... Dak to Cooper Rush is as much as the market is implying Uh, really the bigger problem is just the entire Dallas Cowboys team lacks talent at some really important positions Um, and I think uh, you know there's only so much Michael Parsons can do to elevate this defense considering some of the other holes that they have particularly in the run game they were getting out physical like it was uh, like you know like they weren't even really running their uh, their normal run fits at all Uh, and I would kind of look to this Cowboys team now and what they do this week from a roster standpoint to tell us what they really intend to do this season. I don't think that the marriage between Jerry Jones and um, and Mike McCarthy is working out especially well. We know uh, that uh, Sean Payton is kind of sitting in the wings to take over his, you know, kind of uh, as we all expect, at some point in time, the, uh, the you know the Cowboys' head coaching job, and so this may be just a year where you develop some of the young players on your roster. You don't make a move for a quarterback to try to you know replace uh, Dak Prescott for the next eight weeks, uh, and you just kind of you know find yourself into a top ten pick and get uh, you know another blue chip player to build some of the uh, uh, to try to turn over this roster because even with a healthy Dak these Cowboys aren't competing for anything this year. And the real that's the real kind of bummer about this, which is that if Dak had made it through this game healthy, then, you know, maybe people are talking about, well, it's time to buy low on the Cowboys, and we could just sit back and say, well, I don't know about that. There's still, you know, problems X, Y, and Z here with this team. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to write them off in terms of winning the NFC East and making the playoffs, surely. I'm just mostly curious now, do they embrace the tank or do they try to go get a quarterback?
2: Yeah, I think with the NFC East, I don't see any reason they should be favored over Washington or New York. They should be the fourth favorite in that division. Obviously, the Eagles should be the clear favorite. Cowboys next five games, home to Bengals at Giants, home to Commanders at Rams at Eagles. That feels like one and four, which would push them to one and five. And in terms of the way the market has reacted... To Dak going out. I mean, even with all the other injuries, if Dak was there, I would have made that match home to Cincinnati next week around pick. And now it's just it's just moved right now to seven. It's Bengals minus seven. So the market is saying that Cooper Rush um, from Dak Prescott. That's a seven. That's a touchdown swing. Which is that's Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. That's the same move that happened when Green Bay played Kansas City last year so that's pretty significant i mean there's lots of ripple effects at halftime, uh i was texting some mutual friends of ours saying that i think mike parsons should be plus 400 for dpoy now that team is a disaster uh, and even with his two sacks last night he's not gonna get nearly as many pass rushing opportunities uh and the past 15 winners of defensive player of the year they've all been on teams with winning records that's now a very a very long uh, proposition for the Cowboys, yeah. uh, so I think I think it's just a wait and see to see the level of catastrophe with this team. But just quickly, is there is there an underdog between the Commanders and the Giants in the NFC East that you would like to maybe threaten the Eagles, who are clearly the favorite right now?
3: yeah uh, I think actually the major takeaway, and this is we we went on and on about the Eagles having a soft schedule. Most of that wasn't even the teams they were playing. It was their opposing quarterback matchups. And now you take two Dak Prescott matchups, or you know, at least one you know, Prescott matchup out of the way there, and maybe if he ends up not playing at all this season or if the team itself just goes into a very different mode of competing, um, then that makes their NFC East t- hopes and their chances of the one seed that much greater. Um, Of the commanders and the giants, I thought the giants were like relatively lucky to get that win. Although it was fun to see them kind of play the, you know, the two point conversion at the end there to just go for the, Hey, we're we're winning or losing this game on this play. We're not going to, you know, chance it with overtime here, which is what you want to do when you are the. Uh, you know, the underdog in that situation, as far as I can tell you. So um, the commanders are also very lucky to get the win against the Jaguars. Uh, I think both of those teams probably miss out on the playoffs, but they're going to have some fun opportunities to to bet on and to, uh, to bet against the season.
2: Yeah, interesting. I actually go the other way on the Giants decision, just because there was over a minute left. And by going for two there, you're basically forcing Tennessee to be aggressive. Whereas Mike Rabel was definitely just running it into the line three times in a tie game and forcing overtime. But yeah, I think that the commanders were the more impressive team of those two, just because they were minus two in turnovers and they still won by six against the Jacksonville team who you you and I thought would be relatively decent and uh, Jahan Dotson, who is now the favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year, I'm not sure how long that is going to last, but he looked great yesterday with McLaurin. It was a full Carson Wentz experience, four touchdowns, two picks, great introduction for Commanders fans, what they're <laughs> going to be looking at the rest of this season but we have a lot of time to talk about the NFC East uh for better or worse. Uh, I think those discussions might be pretty rough over the course of the season outside of the Eagles. Now, in case you missed it, Matthew Berry's new show Fantasy Football Happy Hour which I'm on in 64 minutes. That's why I'm wearing And not in substantial amount of makeup, and why my hair is a bit more stable (laughs) than it usually is. But Matthew Berry here is back with NBC and Roto World, doing what he does best, rolling out his love hate list, breaking down who to start and sit, and much more. And there's also plenty of actionable betting information along the way for sports bettors as well. Uh, Yesterday, I think betting defeated fantasy on the uh, on the fantasy football pregame show by unanimous decision a lot of betting chat with me matthew and michael smith uh yesterday so check out the show on weekdays in the afternoon 12 p.m eastern on peacock or listen to the show in podcast form wherever you download and subscribe and there's also like i said the pregame show on peacock on sundays at 11 eastern
3: what do you want from your sports book better odds fast and easy live betting Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sportsbook partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts, all in a fast and reliable sportsbook. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, and Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800GAMBLER.com. Net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, one 800 4700 in Colorado, one 800 270 in Michigan, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text Hope NY 467369 in New York, www.pointsbet.com slash terms and conditions for more
0: details. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.
1: For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from Family Farms. Then blended to perfection and cold-pressed to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days. Deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.
3: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need.
2: Early season NFL lines, they do move around a lot from Sunday night, Monday morning until what they're going to end up on on Sunday. There's a lot of movement just yesterday, just yesterday morning with what was happening with Chiefs Cardinals, Mm -hmm. Eagles Lions, those lines, a lot of favorites firming significantly. Uh, What stands out to you on the board right now for week two?
3: Well, I want to go right to Thursday Night Football. Uh, because I talked yeah. to a bunch of smart people, I think you included, and we were trying to think, well, what what has to happen with that Chiefs game in order to get three and a half points for the uh, for the Chargers? Because preseason, at least I looked at the Chargers Chiefs matchup and I thought, perfect. This defense against that offense is kind of a match made in heaven. This is going to be a competitive effort for these Chargers. Um, and then watching the Chiefs do what they did yesterday, all of a sudden I'm sitting here and I'm, uh, you know, a little trigger shy, <laughs> a little, uh, little uh, you know, a little cooled off about uh, enthusiasm of betting this Chargers team, even getting the, uh, the hook here. Um, Kansas City was just absolutely perfectly efficient. It felt like on offense, anything that they wanted to do uh, looked like it was going to work. And I want to blame a lot more of that on. Uh, the Arizona defense and expect that this Chargers defense is still going to be able to find a way you know even you know especially with the short week with little less time to prepare Kansas City is not going to be able to roll out a ton of new sets a ton of new looks uh, I think this is still the right side here with the Chargers I think you need to wait for a flat three and a half because I would expect there will be a little bit of more support for Kansas City after how you know superlative that performance was yesterday um do you think that I can afford to wait for the three and a half to get a little bit uh lower here or do I need to act more quickly?
2: Uh, I think it's going to be three and a half. I think that's what the line will be, and that's going to depend a lot on Keenan Allen's status. I thought yesterday he was was no chance to play Thursday. Now it's looking like he may possibly play. Um, That will have an impact on the line. The Chargers, they're also a team that consistently does tend to firm uh, throughout the week, Uh, just like Mm -hmm. the Eagles were the number one team last year. In that regard, to be fair, the Chiefs do as well. But I think three and a half is the right number, Um, The Chargers are the team with more injury concerns. I really want to like the Chargers more, but why are they running the ball 31 times yesterday for two and a half yards per carry against the Raiders? Like They have this weird thing where Brandon Staley is about the most progressive coach in the league with his fourth down decision-making with his aggressiveness. And then at the offensive coordinator level, they're just about the most destructively conservative team in the league. Why aren't they airing it out Against the Raiders' defense, it's not exactly intimidating. So, I mean, do you share those concerns about the Chargers and their play calling, really kind of limiting their upside?
3: Absolutely. They are not in the discussion with the – there are two elite teams in the in the NFL right now. It is the Bills and the, and the Chiefs, and everyone else is playing for third, in my mind, including the Chargers, who I want to back against the Chiefs this week. Um, but the major drawback is their offensive play calling. Their sequencing. And their decision, you know, this, the overall kind of scheme, all of it is uninspiring. In the back of my head, I had hoped that Staley had taken Lombardi to some sort of, um, you know, kind of plus EV school of offense over the summer and just beaten it into his head. Hey, man, these are the concepts that we believe in. And you got to run your offense this way. We did not see it yesterday. It didn't end up mattering because the, uh, you know, the Raiders offensive line was so atrocious. Um, but ultimately, the, uh, you know, they're going to need to perform a lot better. And, Maybe they are keeping a good game plan under their hat for this game. They, I mean, surely the Chargers had this one circled. Uh, you know, you know, before the season even started, we're going into KC in prime time. We're going to take take that game, and we're going to install ourselves as the favorite in the AFC West. And uh, I think uh, you know that comes becomes a little bit more of the decision making beyond even just the flat three and a half. This is a huge, 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 huge leverage. Early season leverage. Uh, on that division crown Uh, and so you know chargers win this game you're not going to see another price like uh, you can get right now until you know much later in the season so that's the other key decision making point i'm going to be going through this week
2: Definitely, and if the Chiefs, if they win that game, then go back Patrick Mahomes to win MVP because he should be favorite over Josh Allen if they win that yeah. game, establish themselves as clear favorites in the AFC West. We're going to break that game down in a lot of detail on Thursday's show. We'll talk prop side, total, uh, so look out for that. The game that I was looking at, particularly last night, was the Dolphins plus four and a half against the Ravens. That line has already ticked down to plus four, I would expect, that it will close at three and a half. That's where I think it will end up. And uh, this will get your accounts shut down quickly. But a little thing is that when a team starts (laughs) to accumulate injuries during Sunday, books are very slow to move the next week's line. So when the Ravens started, uh, they lose another offensive lineman. Marcus Peters didn't play. J.K. Dobbins, uh, it doesn't really affect the line that much, but it's just another little thing. And this Baltimore team, which was defined by injuries last season in a way that... Can't even really remember a team that was that decimated by injuries. and The Titans lost more games to injuries, but Baltimore, with the caliber of players they lost last year, just sunk their team. And now, it's not to the same extent, but it's not a great start. The Dolphins looked phenomenal uh, against the Patriots. All the Mike McDaniel hype uh, seemed to be justified yesterday, yeah. at least. Although the Patriots do look like team disaster along with the Cardinals potentially so I expect that the line will drop to three and a half so I would still be taking the plus four are you with me there on the Dolphins
3: yeah we agree I already have a bet in pocket I'll be adding more as limits come up here I think the Miami Dolphins are absolutely live in this matchup and honestly at reasonably full strength or at least with a healthy Lamar Jackson Miami took it to this team last year in prime time. them destroyed them. Them. yeah <laughs> <22-10. laughs> 22 was... 10 jackson can't handle the blitz
1: apparently.
3: yes yeah and i mean it's uh, granted it's a it's a new head coach but same d coordinator uh and so the uh, the likelihood that miami is going to have uh some you know some good good matchup uh strategies and you know that that defense was live yesterday melvin melvin ingram nice fit uh and uh you know just in general uh uh, I think this is going to be a competitive game. I think you have to take the points. I think miami's live, and uh I would expect the betting market i mean I mean this early in the season, things get aggressive. This could get to three, particularly if yep. the injury news continues to come in poorly for baltimore and i I thought Baltimore was much more the um uh the fortunate uh receivers of a of a Joe Flacco performance more so than they were you know deserving of some huge laudits for how great they played. Yep, can
2: definitely see it getting to three. And a couple things to look out for. One, Lamar Jackson didn't run the ball yesterday. Now, it wasn't really the game script for him to do that and take those risks, but that's just something to look out for with everything going on with Lamar, if he's actually going to be the guy who is activating full-on Lamar Jackson. And then also, Lamar Jackson should be the best player in NFL history against the Blitz, and he's been absolutely devoured by it last season, particularly against the Dolphins. So that's another thing to look out for. Now, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, Major League Baseball and on the NASCAR circuit and in the Premier League. There is also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Vikings and Eagles in our Sunday Night 7 contest. Now, let's close out talking about the game tonight. going to be a lot of attention around a lot of storylines that just naturally create a lot of content around Russell Wilson going back to Pete Carroll and Seattle Uh, the line is ticking up towards seven it's bouncing between six and a half seven the Broncos naturally favored what are you attacking in this game
3: first of all best of luck to anyone who wants to be the resistance on Seattle uh don't exactly know why you're doing that but but best of luck to you uh this should close seven in my opinion I think the Broncos are a play at six and a half I wouldn't lay more than minus 110 on it but uh you know fairly small edge for me in this game as far as sides go over the balance of this week I think Broncos uh fair price for me is a little over seven uh relative to the Seahawks team and you know the Seahawks have gotten a lot of um uh, you know, a lot of attention for the quarterback position and going forward with Geno Smith here, uh, because that is the most e- significant downgrade from last season to this season at the quarterback position. Russell Wilson to Geno Smith is an enormous gap. And while Geno Smith is still capable, he's not a bottom three quarterback in this league. Uh, you know, and and he has. You know, probably the most decent offensive line that Seattle has rostered in a long time. Um, he is still running a system that, in general, is not taking advantage of their you know most key weapons at wide receiver. And uh, and and then you look at the other side of the ball, and I have questions at all three levels on this defense. And so I think really that's the you know how this game breaks um, the Broncos being able to exercise a new kind of unexpected look offensively with how Russell fits with these pieces, how Nathaniel Hackett wants to. Uh, You know, just in general, marry his concepts with Russell's talents. uh, I think you're going to be able to see some, you know, some some pretty efficient offense from them up against the Seattle defensive unit that I have very low opinion of. Uh, And so, Denver playing with the lead is the game state I would expect. You know, Seattle with the lead figured out ways to let teams back in constantly and win close games, and it was that was sort of a um, a a telltale. Uh, even of when they were winning and succeeding in Seattle, of just how are they winning these close games every single week? Um, I would not expect that that is sort of their mindset in this one. I would you know, even narrative-based as it is, uh, Russell Wilson trying to have a uh, a standout performance in his, uh, you know, back in Seattle would be my expectation. Um, Denver team total points over uh, is a fair look as well. I think that their ceiling is in the 30s. Uh, and then Seattle being able to score some catch-up points here is is not off the table as well. So I, I have this total should be 46. It's 44. Uh, and I have the side should be 7.5, and, and it's 6.5. So uh, looking for basically anything positive out of Denver's offense.
2: Okay, that's an interesting look. Yeah, I don't love this game. Uh, I think that <laughs> if it gets to seven, I think that seven is the fair line. I would probably slightly lean Seattle at seven just because the total is so low. I think that they will be running the ball a lot. There'll be a lot of clock being bled, but don't really love the side. All the total in this game, personally. I do think there are some prop opportunities. I think that Rashad Penny, over 16 and a half rushing attempts, he cleared that handily uh, towards the end of last season uh, in his last three games. I think that Rashad Penny, or at least Pete Carroll, is kind of game script agnostic where he's just going to run the ball. Uh, I don't think they're going to let Geno Smith yeah. cook. There's a bad rushing defense on Denver last season. Should be improved. But Rashad Penny... Who quietly, the best running back over the last six weeks of last season wasn't Jonathan Taylor. It was Rashad Penny. He led the league in yards per carry, despite being on that Seattle team. Also, like Albert O to go over 25 and a half receiving yards. That is starting to tick up. You'll still be able to get that number uh, some places where the Seahawks had the 26th ranked defense against tight ends last season. I think Russell Wilson will target. Albert O, I don't really care that he was playing in preseason games when the starters weren't just because there's no one else. So he's going to have to play and play at tight end. Uh, so those would be a couple of looks. And if the number does stay at six and a half, then I think I would be taking the Broncos uh, with you there. Drew, we're done. First Monday show of the season. Lots to talk about. We're going to have a lot to break down the rest of the week as well. We'll dive into the NFC North and how the Packers look like the worst team in the NFC North. We'll break that down tomorrow, amongst other things. But don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. I am Jay Croucher. You, Drew Dinsick. We'll be back tomorrow.